Um, so while we were worshiping, um, I saw a picture of an enormous bridge over a huge ravine, and you couldn't see the bottom of the structure. And we, this, I saw Jesus in the center of it, and I heard him calling out, come on, come on out. There was a large mass of people standing on completely secure ground at the end of the bridge, and he was beckoning each person by name, one after another. Jesus began to shout out, don't you trust me? You know me, right? You recognize who I am. You're aware of what I'm capable of, aren't you? People were hesitating and began asking one another who should go first and debating if the structure was sound, if it would hold everyone together, if maybe someone should just test it, or if it was even really Jesus out there. All the while, Jesus was shouting each individual name, but the people were so distracted with themselves, they weren't paying attention anymore to him. Someone broke through the horde of people yelling, Jesus, I'm coming. I see you. I trust you and I'm coming again and again and again. And they ran down the bridge. And I just felt the challenge of the Lord in this, seeing the crowd of people waiting, hoping someone else would go, busying themselves with their own issues and insecurities instead of focusing on the goal. The goal is to get to Jesus always, regardless of what is going on in the room or with other people, or if you can see and understand the situation. We should know who Jesus is. He is always good. His promises are always yes and amen. He is consistent and faithful and completely focused on loving each of us individually and each heart chasing after him to blindly trust him. He wants us to know and hear his voice when he calls out to us. So God, we just ask for your forgiveness, Father, for being focused on ourselves, for busying ourselves when we are in your presence, God, for being insecure and not recognizing that our identity is in you, that we are completely secure in you, God, that we know your voice, God, that we would know your voice when you're calling out to us, that we would recognize immediately and not look to the left or to the right to see who's going for you, but to run blindly after you, God. We trust you, God. We believe that your promises are always yes and amen. We believe that you are good and you are faithful and you are kind and loving, God. So we trust you, Father. Thank you, God. said there's a there are people in this building that will change the world their influences are greater than the their influences are great they will in poverty in nations they will pray and see breakthrough in cultural barriers the word of the lord is in your heart and it speaks to the heart of the person your word penetrates and breaks through the heart you will lay your hands on the sick and dead in spirit and watch my life explode right in front of you I'm speaking to you, and I'm drawing you, and I'm with you, and I trust you. You are a world changer.
He's wrecking somebody's world in here this morning. He is. He's wrecking your world, and you're trying to hold it together. And I just say, let it go. I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like, but just let it go. Uh, because holding it together and doing your thing, it hasn't been working. So he's saying, just let go and let me. <laughs> let go and let God, as Medea says. Uh, so, Brooke... Justin, you guys come on up. They're going to share a little about their trip to India. Uh, one thing that I want to say before they come, isn't that cute? Uh, as they come, they're they, in April, they're leaving to go to Hawaii. Say, oh, bless their heart. No, they're going to uh, YWAM to school to learn, to train, to be missionaries. I was just so thankful sitting back there just watching this body and this group of people yield to the Holy Spirit. Um, I've never been in a place where I've seen such of that going on, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we get to our agenda, but watching God transform people's hearts and people's lives. And there's so much yieldedness to that. Everybody, everybody in here, there's nobody just it's it's amazing it's amazing it's an amazing what god can do like we're i'm getting we're getting ready to to share this testimony and share about what happened but more importantly i don't want to leave that posture of what we were singing what we were what we were worshiping about because it was all about keeping our focus and our attention on jesus so we can get up here and we can share testimonies about how god used us and what he did through us but ultimately we'd be putting the attention on ourselves and that's the last thing that i want to do so i ask that um that Lord, that Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do best. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come and say, look at me. That's the most amazing thing. Even Holy Spirit says, look at the Son, look at Jesus. So that's what I want to do. So I want to remain focused. We're going to have 
some pictures and stuff that's just going to give you an idea and, and, and just give you an atmosphere of what was going on and where we spent our time. Um, but ultimately, the whole point of this is to focus on Jesus and see what, what he's doing in the world around us and also what he did in each of our hearts through this, through this experience. So Brooke's going to share a little background story of how we, how we actually ended up in India. As much as I like to talk, I do not like being on this stage with a microphone in front of a lot of people. But um, I wanted to share first, as we were worshiping, the Lord reminded me that before I even knew Christ, I had this desire to travel. And I used to say, I'm going to travel the world. I'm never going to get married. I'm just going to travel the world. Well, he had other plans for the marriage part, which I'm super thankful for. But um, the travel part, I'm traveling the world, and I've never left the United States until a couple weeks back. And um, so I wanted to tell somebody in this room, I think a few people need to hear it, that before you even know Jesus, I didn't meet Jesus until I was 23, and I'm 20, almost 28, I had destiny written over my life. I had destiny, and I wanted to travel the world. That might not be your destiny, but you have destiny written over you. Um, and you might not even know him yet. We have desires that he's stirring in your heart. And all he's saying is just come to me and let me make those dreams become reality because that's what's happening for us right now. And then Katie talked about the bridge. Um, so the Lord showed us before we started this journey or showed me one day that um, I said, Lord, why are we, what, are we, what exactly are you trying to do with us? And he said, I want you to gr- bridge the gaps between North Carolina and the nations. And I said, okay. And so I saw these golden bridges stretching from North Carolina going all around the world. So we're not called to one nation, I believe. I think we're called to multiple places. So you said the bridge, like he was calling people out on the bridge. Well, he called me out on the bridge, and I'm on the bridge right now. And it's super sturdy. It doesn't even wobble under your feet as you walk across it. Like I think about when I went, what's that mountain in North Carolina everybody goes to and tries to Yes, and there's that bridge, and it shakes, and your knees quake, and you, got, you have to get, like, your sea legs. There is none of that. The bridge is sturdy. It is strong, and it's, it won't, won't collapse. He's so faithful. So I want to encourage you with that also. Um, so India, how we got to India this past couple weeks ago. Um, a year ago, we had some friends or some people come from India. They're natives of India. They have a church there called the Agape House, and they came to North Carolina in November of last year, or October of last year, and we welcomed them into our home. We were connected with them, and we've felt a connection to India for a while now. So they came into our home. We got to feed them spicy foods and, um, and things like that. So I remember them sitting at our table, and they said, um, have you ever been out of the country before? And we're like... No, <laughs> but we want to move there. And um, how we had this connection to India. So we sat there and we prayed. And they said, we prayed that this time next year we would be there. But I remember as we sat at that table with such little faith, I'm like, we do not have the finances to go to India next year. That would have to be a miracle. A miracle. So for about a month, I prayed consistently, like, Lord, if you want us to be there, just make a way. Show us that we're supposed to go. And so when Only Believe came around, Nanette, who kind of headed up the whole thing, or headed up that, had the vision for that. She came to Justin and I, she said, I have this opportunity to go to India in November for 19 days. We want you and Justin to go. And I'm like, well, I have three kids and I'm a homeschool mom. So I don't know if we can do 19 days. I just had no peace about that. So we said no. And I was kind of broken, but then had peace that I had heard the Lord and not to do that. And so a few weeks later, 
she kept, every time I saw her, I'm like, kind of started avoiding her because she was going to ask me to come to India. And I'm like, I've already told you my answer. I can't go. Um, even though we really wanted to. So one night she, it was like 12 a.m. The Lord gave me a word for her. And I sent it to her, and she said, funny, you're up. I was just thinking about you. <laughs> she said, I, what about you coming to India for six days, seven days, and coming to the Agape Fellowship Church and encouraging the bride with me? And I'm like, whose church is that? And she said, the pastor's name is Bobby and Rita. Well, Bobby and Rita were in my house a year ago. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you a little clearer now. The time frames are much better. And... I prayed this prayer. I asked the Lord a year ago to send us there and to provide the finances. So we're about to leave for Hawaii in April, and we need a good chunk of money. So we don't have the finances still. Isn't that funny? But the Lord said, don't raise support. It's going to be provided anyway. So we did not even say one word. And we came home with an extra $500 because people in this church um, and in other places gave money. And we didn't even ask. They just said, God told me to give you this amount. And we had an extra $500 to put in our savings account to go to Hawaii in April. So he provided. And we didn't even ask. <laughs> so he gives, more than, he gives more than you can think or ask. So he did that, provided, and didn't even say a word. So we prayed, and we went to India, and I got to see this beautiful bride and get to enjoy her and to, um, it was really surreal because I, I remember sitting in there looking at all these faces that I didn't, had never met before, but it was like I already knew them, you know, it was like this united in spirit and in heart, um, and they're just a beautiful group of people, and I think, Justin, what do you want to share? I forgot what you wanted to share. You can press play on the video. It's going to play in the background. Uh, while we're going, and there's some pictures that you'll see. I don't. There's so many that I didn't want to sit here and just point back and forth and do all this stuff. But they're going to be scrolling, and so this is kind of the, going to be pictures of the community that we are in. And before she starts sharing, and we get into some of the testimonies and stuff like that, um, what we did, we had a, a full schedule when we went there. But we went to visit this particular church, who also has many other sister churches in the area, and then they have also two schools. Um, in an orphanage right by. So we had plenty, plenty of people to go and share with and stuff. So um, it was funny because we actually didn't know exactly what we were doing until when we got there. And so we attended Sunday service the morning after we got there. And from that point forward, throughout the week, the ladies put on two women's conferences. And these women were coming from all over um, um, the area. They're from uh, Muslim backgrounds, Hindu backgrounds, uh, some of them converted Christians and stuff like that, but it was a few hundred women. Some of these women had, had been beaten by their husband because they found out they were going, and they would still sneak out and come back to this conference. It's amazing how hungry for truth people are um, in other places. It's just not that freely available. They know the bondage that they're in, and they're just reaching for any kind of truth that they can hang on to, something that's real. And that's what we felt like we went to bring. We went to bring the presence of God into a place where it, it really wasn't. And so we did... Um, they really, they, I got, I was blessed enough to, on the way to one of the conferences uh, one day, and then that's like, okay, so we're going to do this, this, and this, and then um, you're going to close, you're going to preach the gospel and do the altar call and close, and I'm like, what? This is on the way to the church. Uh, she said that, and so we thought it was women conference, the guys would hang out in the balcony and intercede, um, but anyway, they did, so they did, they put on two different conferences um, throughout the week, 
and, uh, or a two-day conference throughout the week that women came to. And in the middle of that, in the evenings and stuff like that, we would go visit some house churches, um, some cell groups, and speak in those places. We did, me and um, Brad, the other gentleman that I went with, did some street ministry with some translators and stuff like that. Uh, we went to visit two different schools in the area. And it, I mean, you'll see some of these schools in the picture. That's the church. Um, you'll see some of the schools, and there's, I mean, literally holes in the ceilings, uh, problems with snakes coming through on the kids. And these kids are just so excited just to actually have a building to be able to learn and be educated and learn about Jesus in. So it's amazing what this church is doing for the community that it sits in. It sits right in the middle of a, of a very poverty-stricken slum area, and the parents are sending these kids to school because it's their only means for them to get an education, and they're getting chapel five days a week. So they're, they, they said, I said, how many kids, you know, there's like 150 kids in each class in the school in the particular age groups, and we were like, how many kids are Christians? And they said less than 10% of these kids we're Christians, so I was like, oh, now this, this is really much important what we speak to these kids. And so um, I'm going to let Brooke share a few testimonies uh, from what she experienced, and then I'll share a few more um, before, we, before we end and stuff like that. So, let's... so the really cool thing was that it was a women's conference, and normally with Justin, he's always the one that gets to speak because he's really good at that. And so I just kind of am like, hey, Justin. <laughs> and, but I got the opportunity to speak three times. And when I went there, I only thought I was going to get to speak once. And then Nanette, like he said, he, she kind of throws it on you like, oh, by the way, you got to speak three more times. And we're on the way now. <laughs> and you're like, okay. So my first day, I got to um, speak first, um, which is always fun. And I was sitting there, and I've never spoke with a translator before. So the whole time I'm like, are you done? Okay, let me finish what I'm saying. And But it got better throughout the week. But um, the first time I got to speak was when before we went to India, I was just praying, God, what's on your heart for your, for your Indian bride? And he said, I want them to learn how to forgive, forgive much, because these people are going through severe persecution to where that could really block their relationship with God, because it's hard to forgive the father who's beating you every day or the husband who's drunk and beating you and you just love Jesus. So the more I pressed into that, the Lord said, you know, forgiveness only comes when you receive the true love of the father. So I just got to share the love of God with these people and the true heart of God towards them. And through knowing his heart and his love for you, forgiveness comes very easily. So um, I got to share that with them and I got to take a walk with them with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. We sat still and um, I just took them on a journey through a field, and then through the field, they met Jesus along the way, and they got to talk with Jesus, and Jesus spoke to them. And at the end, I said, who, I'm all about the tangible touch of God. I said, who felt God touch them? And a whole lot, there's probably 200 women in that room or more, a lot of them stood up and said, I felt Jesus come touch me, come hug me, come hold my hand. And I said, did he say anything to you? And we just had a row of women come up and tell me, Jesus told me not to worry, not to be afraid. So many testimonies that came out of that night. So it was really, really powerful. And then the next day I got to share my testimony, which is not pretty. There's a lot of ugly things, but there is no shame in that because um, I am where I'm at now. So I got to be very real with them. I got to tell them the details of some stuff I had walked through. And um, one of the girls came up to me afterwards and she said, that's really amazing that you shared all that. that you, you could share all that. And um, she said, because there's a lot of women in this room and just in the culture, everything's very private. They don't speak about their emotions. Even people are getting radically healed. And they're like, thanks. Like, thank you. And you're like, why are you not freaking out right now? But they just have been taught to control and obtain and have the self-control and not share, not smile. So um, 
I'm up there sharing my story with no shame, and they're sitting there living some of what I was talking about. Um, so I got to share my story and my testimony with them and um, get to love on them. And so as soon as I got off the stage, this girl comes running to me, and I think her name was like Mambu. They have American names and Indian names, so they try to help you out, but I still couldn't understand half of them. But um, she came to me, and she's like, God told me to tell you to pray for me. And I'm like, okay. She spoke a little English, but I still had to get a translator with me. And so... She started talking about how ugly she was and how she was kind of close to 30. So back in India, most people get married by 13, 14, 15. And if you're not, something's wrong with you and you're not pretty, you're not all those things. Um, And so people had been telling her she didn't know how to communicate with men and she wasn't pretty and all these things. And all I just heard was all these lies just coming out of her mouth. And the Lord just said, She's bound by a spirit of, of shame and a spirit of, of lies. And so I need you just to stop her where she's at and just pray for her. And so I said, I've got to stop you because you're just speaking lies and we're giving the enemy fuel. We're not going to coach the enemy. We're not going to comfort the spirit. We're going to break the chains of the spirit. So I put my hands on her and I just started to pray. And she looked at me. She said, I'm choking. I feel like my heart is being like popped, like squeezed. And I said, that's okay. I said, it's going to be gone in just a minute. I said, just... <laughs> Let me keep praying. And so she's like, okay. Like you could tell she was like, please just make it stop. And so we just started calling that thing out. And all of a sudden she just screamed out. And she's like, it's gone. It's gone. Like, and then she started going from like, I'm ugly. I'm not worthy. I don't know how to communicate. No man's going to ever want me to, I don't need a man. I got Jesus. Like he's my groom. You know, he's all I need. He's this, he's that. And I'm worthy. And I do speak well. Like people tell me I can't communicate, but I can speak. And like, she just started speaking life over her situation. And the Lord gave me some stuff for her that the reason why he was waiting for her to have a man, because she's loved Jesus for a long time. She said, I said, it's because God wants you to know that you're extremely wise for your age. And he's going to, you're going to marry an older gentleman because you need somebody who's wise and can couple you well and and being equally yoked in the spirit so she received that and it was really good but she's like I don't need a man now and I'm like you're right you don't so that was really fun um so then the last um session we did was at a different church and it was just me and Annette that got to go the men stayed back and Katrina wasn't feeling well so me and Annette went and it was a good bit away and when you walk into this church it's really not a good like just structure or anything like that and it's right on the street so it's super loud and busy and Annette told me right before I got there what I could speak about (laughs) she said I want you to speak about on how to hear the voice of God and how to prophetically speak it over people because you you've just been doing that and I just want you to talk about how to hear God's voice and I'm like well that's my favorite topic so I can do that so I got to speak to the women about how to hear the Lord. And then she throws in there, and afterwards, I want you to pick three women and prophesy over them in front of everybody. I'm like, okay, I can do that too. So we got to do that, and I got to speak over some women's lives, and um, it was spot on. I missed it a couple times on one girl, but we eventually got there, and it was really cool. But the first three, it was fun. I'm like, you miss it sometimes, but that's how you learn, you know, even better. Um, so I was really thankful that happened, and I told them, I'm like, I'm glad this is happening, that I am botching this girl's test story right now because um, I'm going to get it in just a minute and then I'll know exactly what God sounds like. So I got to do that with them and speak life over these three women. Um, And a couple of them were very directional things and they really needed it because I think they had been in a season for about a year of just crying out to the Lord, I need a yes or a no. And God gave them their answer. So that was really cool. Um, But there's this one kid I can't stop thinking about. He was four, I think, maybe five. 
And we got to minister to this group of children. It's about 150 kids. And we got to bring a lot of them up on stage and pray for them. And they were all got healed, first prayer. Like there was about 10 of them. And a lot of them have ear issues, which to me is not a coincidence. I feel like God, the enemy doesn't want them to hear what we were saying. So they had lots of ringing in their ears. And so this one kid did not get healed. So he came to us afterwards. And we were all in this back room. It was the pastor of the church, Justin and I, and Annette and Brad and Katrina. And we're praying healing over this kid and nothing is happening. And the Lord gave me like eyes to see into the spirit realm for a moment. And I literally saw a little demon in his ear just like pinching his eardrum and causing that ringing. And I said, okay, guys, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to get that thing out. I said, this is not healing that needs to take place. This is demonic. And so they said, okay. So I get in front of the little kid and I'm like yelling at the thing and Justin's like, God. I'm like, no, I'm going to get that little guy, that guy out of there. Yeah. I'm like in English, right? And he's like looking at us. And so I'm praying and commanding that thing to get out. And all of a sudden he stands up and he looks at us and he just vomits this thing on the floor. And I'm like, and everybody's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, that's good. It's, that's a good thing. And so this kid vomits this thing out and he looks up and he says, my ear, well, no, he falls, he like kind of falls out in the spirit for a moment. Yeah. And he just falls out. And so he just lays on the floor, I mean, lays on the couch that he was, we, he was sitting on. And he, we lay him out. And the Lord just said, start reading Ephesians 1 over him. Just who he is. Just who his identity is. So I got a Bible. And I'm like, Lord, he doesn't even speak English. He's not going to have a clue. He's like, but my spirit speaks his language. So he will have a clue. So I start praying and reading Ephesians 1 over this kid. And as soon as we finish, he laid there for about 30 minutes. And, but I didn't start right away. It kind of took me a minute to hear the Lord tell me to do that. So as soon as we finish, he sits up with a smile on his face. And I said, I love you. And he said, I love you. They do know what I love you means. And they know what thank you means in English. Um, he said, I love you kind of like that, and he, and I said, how does your ear feel, and he's like, it's completely gone, yeah, it was, he was like, it's very little ringing, very, almost gone, so he went on his way, and we asked the next day, the guy who was with us in the room, I said, how's that kid, he's like, completely better, 100% better, I'm like, amen, Jesus, so that was cool, so I wanted to read with you, um, so I told you the Lord told me that we were going to be bridge builders to the nations, and so I wanted to bridge your heart for a minute, so I have to have all of you walk across the bridge today with me to India, all right, because I want to read with you, the first day we got there, um, the first day we got there, I was sitting with the Lord, and I think that was Sunday, so let me find Sunday real quick. I was sitting with the Lord, and I was asking the Lord, I was just super, super excited, and he's like, I'm super excited for you today. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just talking about these people, I'm like, what are they going to be like, are they going to like me, like all these things, and he said to me, and this is what I got. I actually got to speak this twice over the whole church And um, when I got to speak. So I told them how excited God was to have me there, and this is what the Lord told me to tell them. He said, my sweet daughter, oh, how my heart beats for excitement for you today because you are getting to meet your brothers and sisters from halfway across the world. I know you're going to love them so much because I know you're going to love them so much. Your heart will feel like it's going to burst out of your chest because that's how I feel about my Indian bride. I love my Indian bride, and they are so faithful and so strong, and my thoughts for her are so great that they outnumber the grains of sand on the earth and the stars in the sky. I take great delight in her, my Indian bride. Tell my bride that I see her and that I'm pleased with her, and he has not forgotten them, and that his promises are for them, and they are all yes and amen. Even though that seems like such greatness and great darkness is around you, 
um, do not be afraid, for I am with you. And the, the darker that it is, the brighter your light will shine into the darkness. So let your shine, light shine before all men. And I got to speak that to them that day. Oh, I could just feel like that morning as I sat with the Lord before I met these people, like just the giddy excitement he had for their hearts and how much he loved them and how excited he was. I was getting to meet them that day. Um, so, yeah, so that is what the Lord thought of them. And that's just your bridge walk from North Carolina to India to the hearts of those people. So I'll let Justin share some stuff that happened. Um, it's amazing. We were actually sitting with... with um with Ben and Heather last night, and we were talking about, he was asking us just some questions about what, what, what gets our heart going and what, our, what our, gets us excited. And um, Brooke and I are both very different, but yet yoked together. I love ministering with her because we make such a wonderful team. She just loves pouring into people one-on-one in the prophetic and speaking life, and it's amazing how she does, and not so much standing up on stage and teaching and all that stuff like that. And I'm like, like Ben, where I'm like, Let's blow this place up with the Holy Spirit. And we're like, boom. And uh, <laughs> so it's awesome, though, because I can't imagine if we were both the same way, it'd be, we'd be. <sighs> um, so, yeah, but it was funny because as I, as I was thinking, asking the Lord, what, what do you want us to share? What do, you want, what do you want me to share specifically when we go up there? It actually wasn't geared towards the miraculous that happened. It was more geared um, towards what he did in my heart during that time and what he did in the week after so it was amazing, um, and I'll go ahead and tell you, <laughs> it was so cool because I had heard going over to other nations, going to third world countries and different places like that, that there's just a move of the Holy Spirit where God is just so desperate for these people because of the lack of, of, of what is there. We're so blessed with a church on every corner and, and stuff like that. We went there, and we were in shock. We called the first Sunday service, we called, we were, first of all, we were like, is there anybody sick in the crowd that needs healing, anything like that? And the whole place is like, Whoa hands raise up and we're like oh boy um so we call them to the front and and i mean it's like we're praying three and five word prayers in a second people are just getting they're like oh yeah it's gone like whole body pain fevers leaving um knee pain backs pain like all this stuff is happening in the in the first day we're there and we get done we're like that was the easiest part of the week (laughs) you know holy spirit was moving and, and people were were desperate they just have they have an understanding of, of the spiritual realm that we kind of shun here sometimes in America that we just don't want to believe. I think so they're totally open to that stuff. And they're like, yeah, if your God can heal, I'll take it. So it was amazing. So he was doing miracles in the conference. The second day that we spoke, we did the conference. And again, all the women came. It was a different group of, mostly different group of women. All their hands shoot up. So at that point, we had a lot of them praying for each other. And I think 47 women got healed at the conference. <laughs> And then who, the women that didn't, we had them come up, and we would just spend some extra time with them praying. We had, I remember specifically me and Brad, some of you might have seen pictures on, on Facebook, uh, a young girl was, uh, I don't know if she was legally blind, but she could only see like this far in front of her face. So Brad prayed like three or four times, and we were getting progression, so we just kept hammering in. And uh, we prayed about nine times for this little girl, and by the time she was done, the church is a about, the main room is about this size. And she was reading a banner from across the room, every single letter on it. So he was, I mean, yeah, he was, he was opening up blind eyes and deaf ears were opening up. People that, Brad, they went and ministered to another sister church and, and saw some deaf ears opened up. And I know Nanette continued on for a full 19 days and she saw a deaf and uh, mute woman, ears popped open. 
and God was doing amazing, amazing miracles in that place. And um, specifically, uh, some things that touched my heart, it was amazing. Me and Brad got to do, walk around and do some street ministry. And so we walked around the community that the church was in, and we just got to look and see the poverty. And it was, such, it was funny because we saw this, this, this just, just, just trash everywhere and just this broken place and sewage and all this stuff. But that wasn't what was hitting my heart the most. I wasn't sitting there saying, man, I can't believe that they live in this poverty-stricken place. My heart was like, wow, what a, the Spirit was saying, wow, what a picture of what the spiritual condition is of this community as we see the kids rummaging around and playing through trash and stuff like that. So my, one of my favorite parts was literally, I think almost every day when the women were ministering, me and Brad got a chance to walk through the community and release the presence of God in that place. And uh, I actually, before, we, before I get too far into that, I want to share with you, because I, I journaled the whole time, and I, I would, uh, we sat with, uh, Kent, heard a teaching from Ken Helser, and he taught us just this way of journaling where we pray out to the Lord, and then we actually, you write down his response, and it's been amazing for me. So I did that the whole time I was there, and I want to read to you, it's very short, but his response, because usually my prayer is this long, and his response is like that, but it's like, and just blows me up. Um, but I want to read to you two, two little passages out of, um, out of my journal, what he responded <laughs> me with. This was on the morning before church service, the day after we got there. So we had not yet ministered or anything. Um, saw some amazing things on the way, even the night, the night that we got there. We're looking around for food. So they have a problem with money, $500, uh, 500 bills and rupees and 1,000 rupees. They're going through this money exchange problem. We couldn't find money anywhere, and all the credit card machines were down, ATMs were down, and we hadn't eaten. So we went into this KFC, and uh, the guy's like, all the credit card machines are down, and, and Ned's like, well, can you just try anyway? So he swipes it, nothing. Swipes it, nothing happened. I'm like, dude, we're hungry. I said, in the name of Jesus, credit card machine work now. It went through, and we got our food. <laughs> And that was the first miracle we saw on the trip. And we're like, yeah, KFC, you know? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it was Indian chicken, so it was a little different. But. Anyway, so I was praying the morning we were getting ready to go to our first, first service. And just with such excitement of what he was going to do, but I was just asking him, Lord, what, what, how can I best posture myself to allow you to flow through us and, and, and me freely? And he said this, and he, I love how he always responds to me with son. Um, it just hits my heart um, uh, because, because of my, my situation with not growing up with, you know, father figure and stuff like that. But anyway, he says, my son, I'm so pleased with your obedience to follow me wherever I lead you. When we first started this journey, he gave me a word. It was amazing. We were, I was asking him tons of questions. Lord, what do you want us doing? Where do you want us going? And he said, stop, stop. He said, I just want you to know that if I have to take you all the way across the world to increase your intimacy with me, that's what I'll do. Wow. And it blew me away because my whole paradigm shifted because my intention was we're going to minister to these people. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to see people get saved and stuff like that. And the Lord's intention was I'm taking you there so I can transform your heart. I'm going to be the one that's going to transform those people. But what I want to do in your heart is what you need to be focused on. You focus on me. I'll change your heart. I'll take care of the people. And so he said this, I told you I would take you across the world just to increase my intimacy with you. 
You'll begin to feel my heart for the Indian people today as you minister. I will fill you with compassion and wisdom, understanding, words of encouragement and power from on high. Open your mouth and let me fill it with good news. Trust is not always knowing the process or the outcome and still stepping out in the faith of the promise giver. I love how this, just what we did this morning worship about was like spot on with what he taught us through this whole trip. He said, remember, I have already been to your future, so today I give you a promise from that place. I promise to fill those who are hungry. I will never withhold my spirit from those seeking me. There will be no striving as you release what I have shown you in the secret place. You tell them who I am. You tell them who they are and who they were created to be. Celebrate my goodness, my favor, and my promise to be with them. Remember, not one of my words falls to the ground and returns to me void, so speak truth. Stay in my heart and respond to what I am doing, not in the circumstances that surround you. I'm always moving. Pray for receptivity. Increase awareness and vision. I will inject hope in hopelessness. Spiritual hunger within Christian mediocrity. You will know exactly what to do. And I'm like, this just just amazing. This journal like this, I don't know if any of you guys do this, but it has been the most amazing journey for me. And I don't do it every single day, but when I do, he just speaks amazing things to me. So we got to go out. And like I said, we saw amazing miracles and, and stuff like that. Uh, one, one of the cool situations I want to share with you was Nanette's uh, son, Nathan, owns a business that do website building and stuff like that. Anyway, he has an employee that lives 10 minutes from the church we are ministering at. So he connected with him, said, my mom's going to be there. You guys need to meet up with them. And so he ended up being able to, he said, I'm going to come with my family. And he ended up coming to the conference the last night, and I was the last speaker, and he showed up right when I got up and go to speak. And now, like I said, my dad, you know, my dad, yeah, my dad (laughs) always responds to me, and he says, my son. The prodigal son story is like, it wrecks me, and it it transformed my life. It's like, it's my go-to story. I love that thing. And, but I don't like to call it the prodigal son story because I don't want the focus to be on, on, on what I did in coming to him. I like to call it the furious love of the father. I mean, he's just running after this guy. So I got to share on that and he showed up. They showed up right when I got to share. So I spoke and went through and, and, and shared the gospel. And I think we had like 16 women uh, come up uh, after we, we did an altar call and it was amazing. And there was a time of prayer. But afterwards, Nanette went and, and, and spoke some more with this guy and with his family, and they were just hungry, and they just wanted to know they're a Hindu family, and they just wanted to know more about this Jesus that we just talked about, because, I mean, we got into details that this father shamed himself. I mean, he ran after this son, and I can imagine to somebody who worships inanimate objects and gods, it's mind-blowing to, to see what, what in, the, in the world is Jesus, this God that you serve, actually wants to chase after you, shame himself, and, and love you. And so they had a lot of questions about it. Well, they spoke, and she shared some testimony and stuff like that, and then invited them to our hotel the next morning for breakfast. Well, they come to our hotel the next morning for breakfast, and we eat, and we're talking, and then we go up by the pool, and we sit. And they said, we just really need some prayer. We've got some, some crazy things going on in our life. Will you guys just pray for us? And we're like, absolutely. And so we begin to pray for them all as a group. And the, the, the woman, the wife, is just weeping, weeping, weeping. 
And I mean, the spirit of God is just there in, in, in encapsulating these people. And what I love about our group and, and Nanette, you know, especially is she didn't try to take over the trip. She wanted everybody to use, just like in here, use their spiritual gifts and get in and, and use everybody. So Brooke got a beautiful word about her son and the idols in his room and how they were looking over him because she said, I need prayer for my son. He's confused and all this stuff. And and she turned to me and she said, she was praying and she turned and she said, okay, now you share the gospel. And I was like, what? <laughs> and you got to think differently. You got to think about their cultural background, what they know a person. It's not like me coming up to a person in America and sharing the gospel. They've heard of Jesus. These people have no grid for who Jesus is and this God. So we share it with them, get finished and you know, we're like, would you, do you want, do you want to give your life to this Jesus? And they're like, yeah, we do, we do. And so they give their hearts to the Lord and they both get born again. And, um, Brooke has been connected with, with, um, the woman, uh, the, the wife ever since, and just kind of discipling her through the internet and through Facebook. Technology is amazing. Um, what it allows us to do that we couldn't do years ago. So there's just story after story like this, where people were just getting wrecked and, and, and it was amazing. Um, I want to I read the second, the second part of my journal towards the end of the trip because I was talking to Jim the other day, and, and the Lord uses my children the most out of anything to speak to me because in like three minutes, he can take an incident, something that happened between them and I, and unfold something I couldn't read in 10 books. And it's amazing. So the, I woke up one morning, I was really missing my children. And I told him that. I was like, Lord, I miss, I miss my children, and uh, I'm really struggling with it. And, of course, he took it, and he was like, okay, you're a father, I'm a father, let me, let me show you, let me dig a little bit deeper into this, because this is how I feel about the people you're ministering to. And he said, my son, the secret to creating great change is developing a community of people that carry my presence. Actually, I'm reading the wrong one. That, that is, that is. So let me, let me say this. Let me say this. So that was the, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize I was going to read this one. So anyway, he, he basically, I don't know where it is, but what he said to me was, do you see how you feel about your children right now? There's seven, eight billion people in this world a lot of them don't know me, and they're very distant from me. Right now, you're about eight to 10,000 miles away from your children, but you're going to see them on Sunday. It's a lot of my children right now that are years and years away from me, some of them that I'll, I'll, never, I'll never be able to be with them for eternity. So take what you feel, multiply it by a million, and that's my heart for the people you're ministering to. And it changed my whole perspective because being a father and understanding the love of a father and how you long to spend time with your children you take all that and just magnify it by a million and you get God's heart for people. And I think that's what really fuels us to go into missions, to go into hard places, to go into places where we're uncomfortable with and share the love of God with people because we see his heart for those lost people. So he, when the girls were doing the walk with Jesus, me and Brad were up on the balcony and we were doing the walk with Jesus too. So I closed my eyes and really not expecting anything extravagant, but immediately I walk up to Jesus, and we sit down on this bench, and the whole environment around us changes into that town. Well, they had little um, trenches or ravines going through the towns that flooded all the sewage water and stuff like that, so everything was very dirty. That's where all the, the pipes ran. And so I get up with Jesus, and we're walking through the same community that we're in, but as we walk, 
out of his heart bursts this like pure crystal glass clear water and it hits the streets and all the water in the trenches just becomes pure and begins to run and flood through this community. So I shared this with him when I was speaking because I thought, well, first of all, he showed me that this was a, this was a spiritual picture. The poverty was a spiritual picture of what, what, you know, what's going on in this community. And what he wants to do is release his presence in this community and purify every square inch of that place. It's the only thing. I can get up here and share with you guys, but I'm like, if I don't have the presence of God on me, if, if he's not in this place, it's a bunch of words that maybe you might leave feeling a little encouraged, but is it going to transform your hearts? Is it going to put something, some kind of seed inside of you to where you guys are going to want out and use your spiritual gifts and begin to do this in the community around you? So as I was praying to him, what is the secret, Lord? What can we do to best represent you to this community? We're here for seven days. What possibly can we do to transform a whole community in seven days? And this is what he said. My son, the secret to creating great change is by developing a community of people that carry my presence. Actions mean nothing if they do not carry the weight of my presence, which is expressed through love. There are many trying to do good in the world today, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, the poor. But what good does it do in the eternal if their physical needs are met, even if their bodies are healed, but they never know me? The more time they spend with me, the more they get to know me. The more I will manifest on their lives. There are many options in this land, just as in America, they have many idols. It's no different, just a different face. Hopelessness abounds when people replace me with money, selfishness, alcohol, just in the same way as here. Just as it does when people worship a God made of paper or plastic. Every human heart was created for eternity, created for union with my spirit. The longing never goes away. It's only dulled by hardness of heart, callousness. The longing will be either temporarily filled by the pressures of this world or when hopelessness is too great to handle, life ends in tragic defeat. Continue pointing to me where the only true hope abounds. It's not in your strength, but your tr- it's not in your strength, but in your trust. It's not in your ability, but in my presence. Carry me wherever you go, listen to my voice, release my presence in faith, and never underestimate the value that comes in the secret place. And I'm like, Lord, he keeps talking about the secret place, secret place, secret place. And it just wrecked me because that's what I wanted to teach to them and project to them. If I could give that community in India anything, it would be for them to, to recognize that they are pre- carriers of the presence of God. And as they release that in their community, that's what's going to transform their community. It's way too big a job to take a place that's 90, 90 95% other religions and turn everybody magically into Christians. It's got to be the presence of God. Um, While we were in worship, I just wanted to share a quick scripture. I didn't even know where this scripture was. You remember last week we uh, did communion and we spoke on the blood? That was last week, right? The blood is is speaking better things. Um, So while we were in worship, he took me to Hebrews 12. I don't know the whole context behind Hebrews 12, but I know in the beginning of it he's speaking about Uh, Moses up on the mountain and how you couldn't come near that mountain. The presence of God was on it. And then he, he, he flips it around and he talks about Mount Zion, but you have come to Mount Zion. This is what he says. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better word, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And he's 
speaking of here, and what, what touched me so much is I, I, I had a, a small vision when we first started when we were singing Yes and Amen, and it was Jesus, and there was this table, and I was just focused on the end of the table because that's where Jesus was, and he's slicing bread. And as I look up, the table extended on, and I couldn't even see the end of it. But the bread on the table also extended. There's people around this table. And so I feel like the word that he has for you guys through this is that whole yes and amen song is about when, we're, when we step into the promises of God, when we step into the will of God, it's always yes and amen because that bread extends on forever. The, the, if we could just get a small glimpse into the storehouses of heaven, we would have no problem going to some nation. We would have no problem going into the, the, the mall praying for people. The, everywhere we go, releasing the presence of God and going and doing these crazy things that would seem so risky to the normal person because we had that one glimpse of, wow, it's like looking in your bank account. It's like not knowing what's in your bank account and then looking in and seeing that there's billions of dollars in it. It's going to change the way you live your life. You have billions of dollars in your bank account. Well, you have billions of dollars and the heavenlies everything in his storehouse is yours that's exactly what Ephesians 1 talks about your inheritance in the heavenlies you're already seated there so I want to encourage you guys to step out in faith doing whatever God has called you to whatever he lays on your heart knowing that the heavenly storehouses will be released over your heads when you step out in faith to him I want to continue reading this because Hebrews 12 talks about an unshakable kingdom so everything we did there, that's the reason that I don't want to put so much focus on the miraculous that happened, because everything that happened there, whatever we did, all the intentions of what we did is going to one day be shaken, and the only thing that's going to stand is those things that are eternally important. And that's what he goes on to says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape, and this is on in, in the end of Hebrews 12, I'm, I'm sorry, this is verse 25. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things cannot be shaken remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Good night. Don't, like, don't, like, all that time, even, even if you're, if, I don't know who, maybe, maybe their first or first couple times in here visiting, but that time that we spent in worship, that time that the Holy Spirit was moving around, there is no wasted time with Jesus. This is something that I had to wrap my mind around with because I thought, I have so much to do, I have so much to learn, I could be reading books, I could be out helping the poor and all this stuff. And Jesus just wants me to know, he wants you guys to know that when you're sitting with him, you could sit with him for hours and not one of those minutes is wasted because everything that he's doing in your heart during that time is something that's going to remain unshakable when this earth and heaven gets shaken. So I don't know about you guys, but I want in that time to know that everything I did was one of those unshakable things. Uh, I love you guys so much. This is... <laughs> Um, it's, it's amazing. I'm going to let, uh, Brooke, I'm just super excited right now. I could just go on and on and on. Um, I'm going to let Brooke come up. She's got a word, uh, awesome word for you guys. But this whole trip, I didn't even get, how much time do we have? 
Okay. There's one more thing that I want to share because I told you I wanted to share more about the journey that I had um, when I got back. So the, right after we got back, like I said, we saw well over 100 people healed. All these mirac- miraculous things were happening. I get on the plane to get back. I get sick. I start running a fever on the way home. I end up getting the flu. I got strep throat through the middle of the week. So the whole week I was sick, and I'm like, Lord, we seen deaf ears open. I can't get rid of the flu. Like, what's the deal? Um, way too, God is just, I mean, way too hard to understand. It's always his will. But what do you do in that place? What do you do in that place when you see so much breakthrough and then in your own situation? When you're looking around at breakthrough in other people's lives and you can't get it in your own life, what do you do in that situation? This was a huge test for me. In the beginning of the week, what I began to do was exactly what I shouldn't have done, and that was neglect the secret place. I was too tired to get in the morning. I had to work. Lord, I need my rest. And I began to neglect that. A couple days into it, I sunk so quickly, so low into a place where I felt so distant from God. It was amazing how quickly. It's like when you work out and you're all in shape, and then you get like two weeks, you don't work out, and you gain like 20 pounds. You know, you're just out of shape. You're like, wow, I can only do five push-ups now. But anyway, it was that quick for me. And I I was so blessed Wednesday night to sit down and talk out with with Jim. And he shared some of his testimony with me. And it really encouraged me because, and this is why I I, I don't want to put a huge amount of focus on the miraculous that happened. Because when I got back, I went to work. And I continued in that place where I was in to pray for the sick at my work. And people were getting healed. Um, a guy, I met a guy in an elevator. He had ten, it was like crying in pain with gout infection. Prayed three times, it was gone. Prayed for a couple of other patients, it was gone. People were getting healed, yet I was in this distant place from the Lord. And what he showed me was exactly what it says in, in Scripture, that your gifts and your calling, they, they, they come without that relationship. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in what you guys hold within you. But if we neglect that secret place and that relationship, we're nothing but prostitutes, really. I hate to say it, but, I mean, that's what, what we are. We're, we're just prostituting the gifts of God, and, and, and we're using them in a way that they just weren't meant to, to be used. They were meant to, to flow out of a place of victory, out of a place of relationship with the Lord, and not lead us, uh, not, not be separate. And so he showed me that, and as the week went on, I just sunk deeper and deeper into this, this, this place and this pit. And you know what, what, what changed the whole thing? My son fell down the stairs. My son fell down concrete stairs and hit his face on the ground, and that changed everything. He's screaming. I ran up, grabbed him, got a huge brush burn on the side of his face. I grabbed him, and I cupped him in my arms, and I ran, and I sat down on the couch and was soothing him, and it's okay, and I'm praying over him. And, and all of a sudden, within 30 seconds, he's sound asleep in my arms. And uh, I was sitting there, and he's like, um, And the Lord says, you see what's going on here, right? <laughs> what just happened? And I'm like, well, he just fell and hit his face, and I've just, you know, sued them, and he's sleeping. He said, that's exactly what you need to do. He said, you fell, you know, you hit your face on the ground, it's okay, but just come sit with me, rest in my arms, and, and I'll put you back into that place of rest. It took me all week to figure that out, and he, it's just he spoke in that. He didn't make my son fall down the stairs, but he took the opportunity to turn it into something good. I mean, somebody probably needs to hear that today. He didn't cause your problem. He didn't cause this thing to happen in your life, but 
He is good enough to take your situation and turn it into something usable, something of eternal value. And everything shifted, and I, I opened up with Brooke, and uh, I shared what was going on, and just in a deep place. And the funny thing was, we laid down in bread, and, and bread, and bed, for bread, and uh, she placed her hands on me. I said, sweetheart, I was like, I just, I'm exhausted. I just, I was like, just pray over me. Next thing you know, I'm sound asleep, and she, she prayed over me until I fell asleep, and that's another reason I'm just so thankful God has always, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you're yoked up. with. A, that's why he wants us yoked in relationships, not, not for any other reason, but that, I mean, when I'm down, she's up. When she's down, I'm up, and we just, we make wonderful help meets. I mean, that's the whole thing, the whole reflection of Jesus in a marriage, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So she got to be Jesus in that moment and pray over me and speak life over me until I fell asleep. And it didn't happen instantly, but day by day, I was restored back into that place. Yeah, it may only have been a week. Some people, that's the sad thing. Some people, um, we, we get into that place and we stay there for months and years. And all he's saying, that, that's the whole thing. That's what I love about, um, uh, I don't know who, who spoke it in the beginning, but what's the goal? What, what is the goal of life? Where are we going? Where are we aiming? We're aiming for Jesus. So when you get in your secret place, when you get in your quiet time with the Lord, that's the destination. He's the destination. So no matter what the journey is in our life, where God's got us going, what place he's got us in, in our life, he is the destination. We're already there. Whatever happens in the journey is, is, is it's irrelevant. It's besides the point. The, the, the goal is to get to Jesus. So get to Jesus and watch everything else flow out of that place of intimacy. Um, yeah, I love you guys. I'm going to let Brooke get up. She's got a word for you guys, and we'll, we'll just close with that. But I want to thank you guys so much for those of you who poured into us and believed in us for, for going on this trip and supported us financially, prayerfully, everything. I mean, it, it broke my heart when we lined up here, and I felt someone, you know, reach down and pray over my feet and, and just... Man, it's awesome to have family that supports you and is so excited about seeing the gospel go forth and people being transformed by this good news. This is good news, and it's got to get out. He's mine. Just say it. Yeah, so I was asking the Lord, just like I did in India, what do you have for your bride, you know, at the river? What do you want them to know? What do you want them to hear from your heart today? Um, because I just love speaking life over people. I love speaking what God thinks about you because it's totally different what, what you probably hear from the enemy and what he thinks of you. So um, he said, you, my beautiful bride, are so pleasing to all of my senses. You are of the most sweetest aroma, and my heart fills with joy at the very thought of you. This particular bride, when you come together, my presence can be sensed even by the cars driving by. Um, you, my bride, are at the lowest point of the river. For at the lowest point, there is always fresh water pouring in from higher places. So I've got more, but I had a vision as I was writing that down. I saw this really big mountain, and it had some, like, snow on top, and water was coming from the very top of the mountain. And when it started, the, the water was very clear, very pure, very just clear water. And as it went through, as, as water runs from the mountain to the bottom, it gets, picks up more minerals, and it's richer, and it's healthier, and it's thicker because it picks up things from the soil as it comes down. And as I saw the water flowing down, 
he was picking up jewels, like really beautiful jewels. And as the water got to the bottom, the water was in this huge puddle and it was just glistening with like power and fullness. And so that's what the Lord said about this church. It's at the bottom of the mountain because as the water came down, it picked up such precious um, minerals. And it's, so it's very healthy, um, pouring from higher places, always receiving um, the newer and the fresher and the richer water. You, my bride, are set apart for special tasks. So um, just like the just of the finest jewels, you are made of pearls and rubies. When each member of this bride steps out beyond these walls, every encounter and the per- people you walk in front of, they encounter the fullness of God. They encounter jewels um, of Christ. And he said, as you walk out, you guys are rubies and pearls. And as you walk out, people just look at you and you seem like normal people. But as soon as they encounter you, that's different from seeing you to encountering you. They see that there's something super special about each individual, one of each every, and every one of you. And the Lord said to me, he's like, I put you guys on like a necklace around my neck and rings around my fingers. And I take great pride in wearing you. And he says, I will never take you off. He showed me the example of like, you know when a child brings you like a cheap necklace from like the gumball machine? You are still, your heart is so overwhelmed with joy by that thing. And, and I'll wear whatever they give me for a long time until it breaks or something. But, um, and because they love to see that that is, that mom takes pride in that. And the Lord told me like, yes, we are broken vessels and we're really not jewels and pearls, but we really are because of Jesus. He says, I wear you and I never take you off. Like I take great joy in, in wearing you. And he said, um, never take you off. It's like when your children give you a piece of jewelry, sorry, I was supposed to read that, or a gift and you put it on display. That is how I see you and I wear you. You are my bride and um, of, you are my bride and you are of great price and great value. So I will always use you and wear you in that way. He will never take um, you off from around his neck and you are his bride and his pearl of great value and great price. So that's how he sees this church and how he um, gets really tickled about you guys. So I love y'all. Be blessed today.